Welcome to Football Introspection. I am your host, Anati, and I am not sure if I should count this as episode number 15. Well, it's actually a bonus episode, so it's bonus episode number one. So, in today's episode, we will just do the recap, what's next on the poll, which we were supposed to do in yesterday's episode. But, um, yeah, I just made it, decided to make yesterday's episode the full um, interview, guest interview, so then... Check that out. I was interviewing a good friend of mine, Kataka Marivate. Had a great time. We were talking. Had a good laughs. Um, yeah, I enjoyed that episode a lot. So just have a check out that episode, episode number fourteen. And then, um, yeah. So I'm gonna do the those segments that we missed out on yesterday. Do them today. And then we're also gonna have a chat on the transfer deadline day. Just have a recap of the deals. And then yeah, we'll just get into it. So let's get into the episode okay let's get into the recap segment and we're starting off in france today they were the only country that we follow that had um international or that had football over the international weekend and they were playing in the coupe de france so Nantes beat brest 2-0 um marseille drew 1-1 with montpellier but ended up progressing through with penalties and then Bergak Berrichot, I'm hoping I'm pronouncing the team correctly, but yeah, they beat St. Etienne 1-0, so this was like a major upset for me. And they play in the league called the CFA, so I think it's the third division, I'm not sure, because I know the second division is League 2, so yeah, I'm not sure what division they play in, what like in terms of the rankings of the CFA, where it is. But yeah, they beat St. Etienne, who play in League 1. And Monaco beat Lens 4-2. And then another surprise was PSG. They drew 0-0 against Nice after extra time and then got knocked out 6-5 um, on penalties. And apparently um, Messi was getting booed by the PSG supporters. So yeah, that's hectic. And another stat that I have about PSG is that PSG have made it to the Coupe de France final seven years in a row and now they say when Messi joined they don't even get past the round of 16 so yeah that's um hectic and tough for PSG and then if we move on to World Cup qualifications and we start in Conembol so that would be South America um last week Thursday Ecuador played against Brazil and that game ended 1-1 uh, Ecuador's goalkeeper actually got sent off and then he got sent off because he had a high boot which was in around Matias Cunha's neck so yeah after the game Cunha there was a picture of him with uh, like the marks that the boot left in his neck and then um, Emerson Royal also got a red card um, yeah I, I don't have much to say but I just think it was stupid you're already on a yellow card don't get involved in any nonsense that can possibly get you sent off especially when the game is still one nil just try and secure the victory and then if you want to do something stupid then go ahead and do it but yeah and then allison actually got two red cards in that game but they are overturned both of them and then yeah let's go into the other results uruguay beats paraguay one nil argentina beat chile two one peru beat colombia one nil and Venezuela beat Bolivia 4-1 with Solomon Rondon getting a hat-trick. Then if we go 
north of that continent and go up to CONCAF, which is obviously North America. Um, the big game that I told you guys to check out on last week's episode was Canada versus USA, and then Canada beat USA. So that means Canada have played 10 games, won six, drawn four. So they're on the, like the, just the edge of qualification for the World Cup, and they stay undefeated in their World Cup qualification. So, yeah, congrats to them. So the last competition we're going to have a recap on in today's episode is the AFCON. And it was the quarterfinals that were played over the weekend. So Cameroon beat Gambia 2-0 with a Carl Toka Kambi brace, which moves him up to five goals in the competition, which is second top goal scorer, with the top goal scorer being his captain, Vincent Subabaka, with six goals. And then Burkina Faso beat Tunisia 1-0. Egypt beat Morocco 2-1 after extra time, uh, both by Salah and and a magnificent assist by Mo Salah as well. I love the stop and go on the defender, similar to what he did to Marcus Alonso against Chelsea, where the defender thinks that he's going to cut him onto his left foot, but stops and goes, and then it's too quick for the defender to catch up in those like three yards or so that he ran before playing the cross in. And then Senegal beats Equatorial Guinea 3-1, and that means Senegal have conceded their first goal of the African Cup of Nations 2022, but Senegal still proceed on to the semi-finals. So congratulations to the four sides that actually made it to the semi-finals. Talking about the semi-finals, they start tomorrow and Burkina Faso will be playing Senegal. And then the second semi-final will be played on Thursday. That'll be between Egypt and Cameroon. And then if we move on to the Conembol, there will be Bolivia and Chile that will be playing tonight. And then tomorrow morning, there will be Uruguay versus Venezuela, Argentina versus Colombia, Brazil versus Paraguay, and Peru versus Ecuador. And then if we come to our European club action, there will be a match between Lyon and Marseille tonight in the French League A. And then in the Copa del Rey quarterfinals, we'll Tomorrow night we'll have Rayo Vallecano versus Mallorca and Valencia versus Cadiz. And then for you guys that are looking forward to other leagues, maybe like the big games in other leagues, tomorrow night we'll also have Rangers versus Celtic. So that'll be a very interesting game. Rangers are two points ahead in the league. So victory for Celtic gets them top of the log. So yeah, that's another big game, in, especially in Scotland um, football. So let's get into the poll as well that I posted on Sunday. And the first question was, of these four players, who do you think uses their best foot, their, their weaker foot the best? And the options were Santi Cazola, CR7, Dembele, and Son. Dembele got no votes. Son got one vote. Santi got three votes. And Ronaldo got five votes. So people have voted and said, CR7 is the best at using his weaker foot. Can't really complain. I personally voted for Santi because I love the fact that he took set pieces as well with his left foot. So it wasn't just the thing that, for example, Ronaldo, who knows how to shoot with his left foot, he can get the power and everything with his left. But it's Santi. I know that he's got that precision and the technique with his left that he can also deliver a cross from a corner or take a free kick and not even necessarily just using it with power, but 
with finesse even though i've never seen ronaldo do it but probably could maybe i don't know but yeah and then um i asked also second question was who do you think is the best international manager currently there was mancini um enrique scaloni so from argentina and then other and then Enrique and Scaloni got no votes. Mancini got three, and then the other got three. Um, I had asked for someone, like, if you believe it, someone else, just to comment as well. So I got Casper Hulmank, that's the Denmark coach. And then I personally voted for Hansi Flick. I love what he's been doing with Germany. Um, I think he's getting them back to their best. Then the last vote for other, the person didn't comment, so I'm not sure who that would have been. Um, but, yeah, that means Mancini takes the cup in terms of being the best international coach currently and then the final question was who do you think was the best spaniard in the premier league history or according to the premier league history and um there was el nino fernando torres um david silva el magico i think that's what his nickname is and then there's mata i'm not sure what he is and then david de Gea. and david silva took a clean sweep got all the votes can't really um disagree with that i honestly love torres because as we spy at chelsea but yeah i personally also voted for david silver because um yeah the, he really did bring a lot of magic to the premier league so yeah that's the poll and thanks for participating stay tuned for the quiz on thursday and yeah thanks <laughs> so in today's episode the whole theme of it is the transfer deadline day and just giving a recap on what happened who signed for what and yeah just a recap because a lot of transfers happened on this day which was yesterday um yeah so i'll just be going through like the major signings i'll go through most premier league teams that have had major signings on transfer deadline day go through some um European sides in the other leagues that had major signings but yeah a lot of the action is done in the Premier League so most of the teams that I will be speaking about will be um, Premier League sides so yeah so I'll just be going down in Premier League I'll be going down the Premier League table and then if I skip some teams then that'll just mean that um, they didn't make any major signings on the day and probably had their signings already completed earlier on in the month and during our transfer thursday segments um we had already covered some of those signings so i won't be repeating that um yeah so let's get into it and start with manchester city and manchester city signed julian alvarez from rover plate they sent him back on loan as well but um with his signing is that he's currently south america's best player um because of the individual trophy that he won and i think they say he scores a goal a game in the argentinian top flight league so far so if you remember earlier on maybe two three weeks ago um, on one of the first episodes i did mention that man united were looking to sign julian alvarez and that was before martial and um, all the others left man united but um yeah so it's a good signing for man city apparently he could be like obviously it's hard to compare him to a girl but it could be the next up in terms of him being argentine 
and being a striker. So yeah, but he's on loan at River Plate for the rest of the season. So River Plate were looking to keep him for like the whole twelve months. But um yeah, we'll see how that goes. Maybe we'll see him sometime next season in a Man City jersey. And then in terms of Liverpool, Liverpool are looking to sign Fabio Carvalho from Fulham and that didn't happen. He was a eighteen year old, eighteen year old um player, very impressive, watched a few of his games, plays in the number ten position, scores goals, great goals. But yeah, I think they were trying to get him in like how they got Harvey Elliott from the from Fulham as well. So yeah, that deal didn't happen. But his contract does expire at the end of the season. So unless he signs a contract, Liverpool will be able to sign him again. But this time they'll have to go through a tribunal which will determine the fee that must be paid because he is still under age. I think it's under 21. If you sign an English player or from an English club, uh, play under 21, then you still have to go through a tribunal to declare how much you have to pay to the to his former club. So, yeah, but they did get the signing of Luis, Luis Diaz through. Um, yeah, I wasn't not sure about that. They're paying 40 million straight up and then another 20 million in add-ons. I think it's 25 in add-ons. So, 20 would be like easy bonuses. They say maybe it's some things like appearances and helping Liverpool to the top four and then 5 million in like hard bonuses so that could be goals winning champions league or something like that so yeah i I don't know i haven't watched him much but a fee of 60 million for a player that best team that he played for is porto yes he's still young he's 24 years old but um it's not like he's one of those players who are super highly rated so i don't know how that signing is going to work out and yeah that'll be interesting to see how it is and then they have also sent nico williams out on loan they are young right back to fulham and nat phillips has also joined bournemouth on loan and then we move on to arsenal who signed a defender called austin trusty from colorado rapid in the mls and they lost their former captain pierre-emerick Aubameyang to barcelona um, on a free transfer and then we move on to Spurs Spurs signed Delhi Ali and sorry Spurs lost Delhi Ali to Everton they sold him to Everton they also sent out Giovanni Lo Celso on loan to Villarreal sent Brian Hill out on loan to Valencia and Tonga Ndombele also went out on loan to Lyon and apparently um, in Dombele's deal that there's a buy option for the exact same amount that Spurs bought him for like 54 million so if Leon actually decides to sign him then Spurs won't actually be making a loss on the signing so that's actually some good business for them and then they also brought in Rodrigo Bentancor and Dan Kulosevsky. Um personally I rate these two players um i've enjoyed watching them play especially bentonko and juventus i watched a lot of juventus for the past three seasons and um bentonko caught my eye actually in the 2018 world cup and i watched him play at uruguay so yeah it's been good to to, to see him now he's in the premier league i'm excited to see how it's going to work out for him and then kulisevsky i watched him a bit also two seasons ago when he was at parma on loan 
Okoye joined Juve. Um, I really enjoyed watching him play. Very great on the counter attack. Um, very good at taking players on, and he's deceptively quick. He's quite a big man, and he's quite evasive as well, especially for a big man. So, yeah, I'm excited to see him play. He didn't really get much game time at um, Juve, but hopefully under Conte here at Spurs, he can get game time and play well. And then Aston Villa, they signed Callum Chambers from Arsenal. They signed Robin Olsen. And then we also know the signings of Luca Digne and Felipe Coutinho. Um, Robin Olsen is on loan from Roma. I don't really, really rate him. Remember in 2018 World Cup, people really rated him. But I was like, no, 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 not really. I don't really think he's that good. But yeah. And then I think Brentford have signed probably the most like cheerful player or whatever. I don't know. But this this the signing gives everyone a lot of happiness, I'd love to believe, because Christian Eriksen is back, firstly back in the Premier League and secondly back in professional football, playing again, competitive football. So we're all happy to see him back playing football. Hopefully he can rekindle the form that he had before um his cardiac arrest at the Euros and then make it back into the um Denmark squad. And then for Everton, they firstly signed a new manager in Frank Lampard. So as a Chelsea fan, I am personally happy that um Frank is back in a job and hopefully he does well. I, I wish him the best. Um I saw some Chelsea fans that were not wishing him well saying that if we wish Frank Lampard well, we have a second club, which is not the case. It's just that we hope Frank Lampard does well. It's just like you hope other players do well or former managers do well. So I bet Liverpool are hoping that um, Jarrod does well, but it doesn't mean they're supporting um, what they call Villa. But anyway, um, Lampard came in and then he also brought Donny van de Beek with him from Man United on loan and a permanent signing of Daily Ali, which could rise up to 40 million on player performances. That is a lot of money for someone who hasn't played much football in recent time. And I'm just trying to understand what formation he could use because if he uses a 4-2-3-1, I've watched Donny play. Yes, maybe he can play as an 8, but I don't think he's that good defensively. So it might going to, might leave the midfield very exposed on transition. And if they play like a 4-3-3 with like Allen being the defensive midfielder and Dele and um, Donny as the 2 eights, it's also going to be a tough one. Maybe it could work this one better than a 4-2-3-1 because Dele did play in like a 4-3-3 under Nuno and he was hardworking at the beginning of the season. So maybe that could work out. But then again, you're probably taking away his goals, which is um, Dele's best attribute. And on to Norwich. They have lost Todd Cantle on loan to Bournemouth. Um, yeah, a couple of seasons ago when they were in the Premier League, he was one of their young, shining players. And then again, when they got promoted, he was a star. And then he just fell out of Daniel Parker and hasn't been able to get back in the side under Dean Smith as well. So, yeah. And then Newcastle have signed Dan Byrne from Brighton. So he's going to come in at centre-back. Matt Target at left-back on loan from Aston Villa. And then they also signed Bruno Umarish. I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly. I'm not sure. But yeah, that's a big signing. Um, 
he was linked with sides like Arsenal. Apparently, Chelsea were also looking at him. So the, essentially, the bigger sides were looking at him. And yeah, he's in a relegation battle. So hopefully, um, for his sake, that he doesn't go down with um, Newcastle and they stay up. And then Burnley replaced Chris Wood with Wout Weghorst from Wolfsburg. I read a tweet when um, the interest of Burnley was tweeted like the first time when they wanted Wout Weghorst. Then um, someone um, commented was like on some type of I bet um, Sean Deitch thinks his name translates to workhorse, which was very funny. Workhorse, workhorse. Yeah, so I found that actually quite funny. So, yeah, that's um, the recap on our Premier League signings. And then we'll go to um, Sevilla and Anthony Martial joined from Man United. I believe we all have read about that. And then Atletico Madrid signed Daniel Vaz. Um, Vasa signed Adama Traore and Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Aubameyang's story is actually kind of funny because he flew to Vasa without having contact with the club. So when people found that out, he was in Vasa, they were all shocked. Even Vasa was shocked, but he went to go visit family. And then, yeah, he ends up signing on a free. And then he's having a pay cut. So for Arsenal's sake, that's good. So they don't have to pay someone who 350k for someone who's just going to eat bench or not even make the squad. So yeah, for that sake, they're good. But even though they didn't make money on the sale, I think they're saving about 25 million over wages over the next 18 months of his contract. So for their sake, I think that's um some good business. And actually, talking about wages, Adama Traore had an option of Signing for Spurs to earn about 120k um, a week, but decided to sign um, for Barca and is now earning 15k a week. So, yeah, that's surprising, but it probably shows that he loves that club so much and that's why he went back. Um, yeah, on to Inter. And then Inter signed um, Felipe Saicedo. On loan from Genoa, I don't get why they have so many strikers now because they've got Zeko, they've got Lutaro Martinez, they've got Sanchez, they've got Joaquin Correa, and now um, Caicedo. So that's five strikers for two positions, which is, um, yeah, I don't know. He was signed as a backup, so yeah. And then they also signed Robin Hussens from um, Atalanta, and yeah, I guess teams like Chelsea who are struggling with left wing back um options could have been in that deal because they signed him for 25 million and robin hosens is probably top five wing backs in the world left wing backs in the world so yeah um that's probably a loss on chelsea's side of it and then stefano sensi left on loan from inter to sampdoria and then juve signed Dennis Zakaria to replace Rodrigo Bentanko. And I bet you've all heard about it, the signing of Dusan Vlahovic to Juve as well. He will wear the number seven that Ronaldo previously um, wore. And then for Juve, they also lost um, Aaron Ramsey. He went out on loan to Rangers. So, yeah, I think he's just trying to get some football and play and uh, it's actually a big club so play some 
competitive football, but also just get some game match fitness for the World Cup that's approaching this year. Um, yeah, that's more or less the big signings that, oh, that's all the big signings that I wanted to cover over transfer deadline day, just to give you guys a recap on what was happening over transfer deadline day. And if I were to be asked who I think are the winners of the transfer window, um, it would be Juve. I think Juve's defense has become better over the course of the season with Max Allegri, but the problem was they weren't scoring enough goals. So Zakaria would probably be in the similar mold of Ben Sanko, so they're not re- really losing too much. But then the addition of Dusan Vlahovic is currently um, joint top goal scorer in the Serie A. So that will be a great signing for them and probably can at least get about 10 to 15 league goals for the rest of the season. And now it makes them a different beast in terms of Champions League because they've got a goal scorer now. And then you would think that Diabala will be able to feed him and actually feed off of him and actually get more goals and assists. So, yeah, I think the winner of this transfer window or transfer deadline day specifically would definitely be Juventus. Yeah, so we've come to the end of the episode. Um, I'll be back again on Thursday. So don't worry, um, me doing this bonus episode doesn't mean that I won't do another one on Thursday. Or unfortunately, you guys, I don't know which one you guys think is fortunate that you have three episodes a week this week or unfortunate you have three episodes this week and you have to listen to my voice so often but yeah um yeah we'll have another episode um on thursday and it'll be another guest episode and what i can tell you guys about that guest episode is that instead of having one guest this time we're gonna have two guests this time so we'll be inviting two of my friends um yeah we'll have a good chat so stay tuned on thursday and i hope to see you guys i hope to hear what you guys think about my episodes and yeah do spread the word on footy intro man um thanks for all the inputs and thanks for all the views and i'll see you guys again on thursday bye